Joe Souchere. What did you just report to me? 39? 39, sir. Pretty nice. 46 is your average high. I understand. Gotta get above that. A year ago this week, it was in the 70s. Oh, it was just beautiful and balmy. We're getting robbed. Yeah, she said in early. I don't know what the temperature is. I guess the temperature is supposed to be today, 39. That's what it's supposed to be. I got leaves everywhere. I don't care about your leaves. <laughs> everywhere. It's really driving us crazy. Where to begin? Where to begin? And I Okay, you, you can begin where you want, but later on in the show at some point, uh, we don't have to do it now, of course, I have a um, plumbing problem. Oh, no. Yeah, that I, I worked I, on. I, I don't want to hear about that either. Later on in the show, I, I, I need some help from Garage Logicians. <laughs> mm-hmm. so please uh, stick around. Melvin Carter kicked butt, didn't he? In the St. Paul mayoral race. Yeah, unfortunately for me. He won. Uh, well, you don't even live in St. Paul. I like Pat Harris, and I wanted him to win yeah. because he'll do a lot more for business than Melvin Carter will but, do. But Melvin even won in Highland and Mac Groveland, kind of a what, what was presumed to be Harris territory. He, right. He won. Uh, he won handily, and in Minneapolis, it's not settled yet. Although, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's lots of interesting characters out there. Uh, a lot of interesting characters. Well, for for example. Uh, uh, in a historic win, Andrea Jenkins secured the Ward 8 seat on the Minneapolis City Council. Okay. Uh, Jenkins' uh, victory makes her the first openly transgender African-American woman in the country. I didn't know that before today. I did. Uh, to be elected to the City Council in a major city. Uh, in Minneapolis's ranked choice system... Jenkins received 73.09% of first pick votes. She only needed to break 50% to win. Uh, Jacobs said in a statement Tuesday night, my election is what resistance looks like. I don't know what that means. My election is, is what, what resistance, resistance looks, looks like. like. I don't know what that means either. It's also about hope. Okay. Are you a good uh, politician? I don't care what you I'm are. I'm going to tell you more about her. It's also about hope. As a city council member, I will be committed to advocating for equity for the most marginalized in our community. Uh, Jenkins has 12 years of experience as a campaign aide to other city council members. All right. Um, my election is what resistance looks like. Resistance to what? Call her up, Reeves. Okay. Are you using the correct pronoun? Yeah. Okay. She's 56, born in Chicago. Can you give me the name again? I'm sorry. Andrea Jenkins. Andrea. See if you can Andrea, reach her. Go to her campaign site. What does, this is what resistance looks like means. Now, when I say there's lots of interesting characters out there, uh, I was reading about her. Uh, she's a performance artist, a poet, and a writer. She participates in the Trans Lives Matter movement and chairs the Board of Intermedia Arts. In 2015, Jenkins was Grand Marshal of the Twin Cities Pride Parade. Uh, in 2015, after 12 years as a policy aide with the Minneapolis City Council, Jenkins began work at the University of Minnesota's Jean Nicolaus Treader Collection in Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender Studies, where she curates the trans Transgender Oral History Project. 
Lisa Vicoli, curator of the Treader Collection, noted that the materials within the collection tend to be gay, white male focused. In her role as curator of the group, Jenkins will seek to expand the trans narratives achieved are archived in the collection by recording oral histories from up to 300 individuals, totaling as many as 400 hours of interviews. Hmm. All right. Interesting. There's, there's, there's interesting people. Uh, what's eight? Eight in Minneapolis is what? 38th and, yeah, I don't know, 38th and Park, 38th and kind of south... Central Minneapolis would be my... The, we're pulling it up right now, though. The neighborhoods, uh, it's Lake Street to the north, yep. Lindale Avenue to the south, yep. 46th Street West and 50th Street West to the south, Chicago and Cedar to the uh, east. So it's got the Bancroft and Northrop neighborhoods. How can Lindale be south of Lake? Aren't they both... East-West streets? Uh, Lindale Avenue South, they intersect. Hmm. Lake Street West and the Lindale. Uh, Bryant neighborhood, Kingfield, Lindale, Field. So it's kind of a, it looks like a Lego piece is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I have a message yeah. into yeah. Ms. Andrea. Andrea Jenkins, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then I'll, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll report if I hear back, sir. All right. Is that are we to be prepared for more um, bike lanes now? I don't know. I but what what are we resisting? What what does that mean? It's like trying to decipher flex comments. Oh God! Don't, no, it is. Yeah. We're not going to sacrifice culture. What? Why? We none of us know what that means. Has anyone bothered to ask him what that means? He had a bit of a um, little media Q and A deal yesterday in which he. <clears throat> He was responding to some of his critics, chief among them the your uh, partner at 3 o'clock. Mm -hmm. In Virginia, former journalist Danica Rome, a Democrat, knocked off 13-term Republican state delegate Bob Marshall. Rome's win quickly became a huge national news story as she became the first openly transgender person elected and seated to a state legislature in the U.S., What's more, her victory came against Marshall, who has called himself the state's chief homophobe. That wouldn't be much of a campaign uh, slogan, would it? Not really. You really can't run with that. For more on, uh, uh, well, so I looked up her. Uh, and when I say there's interesting people out there, holy mackerel. Uh, where did I get, let me find it where, uh, uh, where did I put it? She's in a death metal band. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? That's some hardcore music. I think so. Death metal. Mm -hmm. A melodic death metal band. Ah, okay. I'll find it here. They're I looking got... for a good drummer, though, aren't they? I, you know. You're always looking for a good drummer. I, yeah. <laughs> you got a lot of paper on the spindle But there's today. so much, there's so many, it's just, uh, there's stuff going on out there I don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. uh, she wants to focus on traffic, all right? I read oh, you know what? Okay, there's a start. Yeah. Depending on which way she wants to work on traffic, but that's a start. Maybe I'm, she didn't say, I want to put in more bike lanes or ban uh, plastic bags or to-go yeah. uh, containers. Uh, trust me when I tell you that I read that, that she's in a melodic death metal band, but I can't find where I read it. I, you know what? I'm going to find it right now while we take while you this. you look? Okay. No, I'll or while we take a break. Take this break, and then I'll... Uh, 
I'll find it. Well, right here at home, we have Andrea Jenkins, who's a poet and a performance artist and, and uh, what have you. And then in Virginia, Danica Rome. Uh, I knew I knew I found it. She plays for a band called Cab Ride Home. She's the singer. Uh, Cab Ride Home. They're a metal. They're a metal band. Okay. She came out as transgender in 2013. She sings in the metal band Cab Ride Home, which makes her the first metal vocalist elected to Virginia's house. That's, okay, wait a minute. Now, which side is she? She? Oh, she's the she now. Apparently, he do a she. Okay. Uh. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's we have interesting people that are getting elected to office, don't we? Hmm? This reminds me of Pat. It is not a perfect science yet. Uh, well, actually, it is sometimes. So, uh, She worked for nine years as the lead reporter for the Gainesville Times and Prince William Times. She won awards from the Virginia Press Association seven times. She was born and raised in Prince William County, Virginia, the child of Marion and John Paul Rome. Her father committed suicide when she was three. Jeez. And her maternal grandfather, Anthony Al- Olivetto, acted as a father figure. She attended St. Bonaventure University in New York, where she majored in journalism and moved back to Virginia after graduation. But we got a lot of firsts. We have the first African-American transgender candidate here in Andrea Jenkins. Yep. And we have the first transgender candidate in the country in uh, in uh, Rome uh, to uh, go to a state legislature. Uh, one is a performance artist and a poet, and the other... Uh, as I guess those would be hobbies. And we have the first African American, uh, first African American mayor of St. Paul. Paul, Melvin Carter III. In in what many thought would be a really close race. What was the final number? Uh, I, I don't have to, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was well. It, it's a blowout when you get when you get more than fifty percent on the first count. You've won. Yeah. But right. I counted the votes roughly. Okay. Roughly 60,000 people voted in St. Paul. That's pathetic. It's really pathetic. That's pathetic. What What are the potential numbers? 150,000, 200,000? Yeah, registered voters? Yeah. I don't know. But, so what I read is 58,000 was, was it one third of the eligible voters? Why don't people vote? Boy, the apathy is just extraordinary. South St. Paul has got. Well, I don't know how many registered voters. It's a town of 20,000, and there was two uh, school levies, and they were both passed. I went at 8 o'clock last, or about 7.30 last night, 537 voters. I was 5.30. Well, but, but maybe for your precinct, that was a good turnout. Mm, only 500, though. Well, I don't know how big your area would be. I don't know how many registered voters there, there was in your particular Voting place. I just think that so, so many people are turned off by all of it, I think. And those the, are the, the elections that you need to vote in because it's closer. What turns to them you? off, though? Why are they turned off? I think a lot of people. I thought St. Paul had a clear choice. I don't think Minneapolis has a clear choice. I thought St. Paul did. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way, Joe. I I did not vote yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, well, there was really You're fired. Well, there's really nothing in there was nothing up for in my in my neck of the well, woods. Was there a vote? Of course. Well, then there was something up in your neck of the my, woods. My point being that 
I have the attitude that I think a lot of other people share in that I don't want to I don't want to become involved in I, I I'm disgusted by both sides of the aisle from a political standpoint. Well, you're it's easy to reject you out of hand for a ridiculous ridiculous sentiment. What what was that issue? Uh, where do you vote, Chanhassen? Uh, well, I, I live in Carver, so I think I vote in Chaska. Okay, what was that issue? School board seats, School levy board, questions, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Huh? Yes. Well, those are important. Sure. You can't dismiss it by saying, I don't want to get involved. You sound foolish. You sound stupid. He wants you to vote. What a moron. What are you, moron number two? You're going to go to moron number one. Mm -hmm. But when I see on a daily basis topics that get discussed on this very show, where where school boards are now covered in, they're, they're veiled with such levels of, of bureaucratic nonsense. I found a school board candidate to vote for. Didn't win. But I I voted for a DFL or for mayor of St. Paul, Pat Harris. Mm -hmm. And I still lost. Right. I've never won anything. Yeah, Pat would like you to retract your uh, endorsement of him. So I've never won anything. for anyone I voted for in this state. Ever. Ever. Uh, Jesse, yeah, governor of Ventura. I didn't right? vote for it. Oh, you didn't? No. Okay, I'm going to link something mm -hmm. uh, to uh, the apathy. I was reading about the trial of Senator uh, Menendez. He's a New Jersey Democrat accused of taking bribes from a Florida eye doctor, uh, Solomon Melgan, in the form of private jet travel, a Paris vacation, and campaign contributions in exchange for pushing the doctor's business interests at the highest levels of the U.S. government. Uh, I don't know why an eye doctor, what does an eye doctor expect to get from the highest levels of U.S. government? I don't know. But in any, event, in any sort? event, this, this might answer your questions. Uh, on their first full day of jury deliberations at the bribery trial of Senator Robert Menendez, a juror asked the judge, what is a senator? Joe, don't don't say things like that. Um, what? God bless this thing. I think you're trying to hit this. No, I'm not. No? No, I'm trying to hit Al Green. Your your head? Hey, Gumption Cow. No, no, no. no. That's, that's your address. That's uh see. Are you trying to hit Al Green? I can't do it. I just can't do it. It just won't work for me. Let me try to hit. God. I'm so tired of being Wait, alone. I'm so tired of alone. Won't you help me? Go satellite right now. Satellite. All right, ready. Set. Three. What is a senator? I cannot. That's... How does it wait? No, wait, wait, wait. U.S. District Judge William Walls declined to answer the question, and he refused that juror's request for a transcript of Monday's closing argument by Menendez's attorney. The panel had returned to the Newark, New Jersey Federal Courthouse Tuesday after spending about 75 minutes deliberating the day before. 
What if he had answered a hockey player in Ottawa? Walls told jurors that they should rely on their individual and collective memories as de- as to determine how to define a senator. The jurors' question, odd as it may have seemed, may have related to whatever Melgan could have considered a Menendez constituent, or to whether Melgan could have been considered a Menendez constituent. Well, that's just a stupid juror. You're in New Jersey. Uh, uh, Melgan, the eye doctor's in Florida. Defense attorney said during the trial that Menendez regarded it as part of his Senate work to look after the interests of people beyond his home state. Oh, B as in B, S as in S. What, what is, is a, a senator? What is a senator? I don't care what, I, I don't care if, if the juror had confusion thinking that Helgen was represented by, uh, represented by Menendez. It still reeks of such unawareness that, how do you get to the, how does that person get to the courthouse? How does that person file a tax return and not know what a senator is? Are the mini is the mini well Heidel have it. Heidel have it if the mini have the latest is what he'll if, if the count is in, uh we got a guy you'll have it. Here's John Height. Thanks, Joe. Sunny and 39 degrees. Twin center fielder Byron Buxton and second baseman Brian Dozier awarded American League gold gloves last night. It's each his first gold glove. The 23-year-old Buxton was third in all of baseball and runs saved with 24. He committed only five airs in 137 games. 30-year-old Dozier played in 152 games, committed just five airs. He edged out Boston's Dustin Pedroia and Detroit's Ian Kinsler. Uh, Buxton and Dozier are the first twins since Joe Maurer in uh, 2010 to win a gold glove. Uh, here's how the voting went. Each manager and up to six members of his staff vote from a pool of qualified players in the league and can't vote for players on their team. I thought uh, Buxton was a slam dunk, but I was a bit surprised that Dozier won. Yeah, that was too bad. <laughs> He's deserving, but I'm surprised he won. Wild and Timberwolves both in action tonight. The Wild are at Toronto to play the Maple Leafs. The Wolves on the West Coast playing the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you'll be able to catch every high school state quarterfinal uh, final football game at the website www.prepspotlight.tv. All 28 games will feature play-by-play announcers, HD video, and uh, it will not cost you a cent to really? watch. Really? Yeah. That's pleasant. Prepspotlight.tv. Does that start tomorrow? I believe it does. Thank you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when they launch when they launch this thing. No, the playoffs. Uh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> News notes from today. Melvin Carter will become the next mayor of St. Paul, according to unofficial voting results. Carter won with 50.89% of votes in the first round of counting, securing the spot uh, during a celebration with his campaign last night. He thanked all of his volunteers and 2,000 people who contributed to the campaign. Meanwhile, in Minneapolis, another round of counting beginning this morning as election judges work to figure out a winner in the city's mayoral race. A city spokesperson said election officials plan to declare a winner in the mayoral race sometime before today is out. And they said all other races should be tabulated by Friday. Uh, going into this morning, here's how it stood. Jacob Fry had 25% of the vote. Tom Hawk, 19%. Betsy Hodges, 18%. Raymond Dean, 17%. And Akima Levy-Pounds, 15%. Because there wasn't a candidate who got more than 50% of the vote, so officials move on to the next round of tallying by eliminating candidates with the lowest number of votes. 
Meanwhile, Andrea Jenkins celebrated a historic win in the Minneapolis City Council Ward 8 race. Jenkins won the seat with 73% of the votes, making her the first openly transgender woman of color to win a city council seat in a major U.S. city. That's what resistance looks like. Ah. <laughs> Nationally in Virginia, Ed Gillespie was defeated in his run for the governor's spot, and Gillespie was backed by President Trump, who tweeted for him during the race, although Gillespie dis- uh, distanced himself from the president. Uh, now no, the president distanced himself from Gillespie. Yes, the president now backing off by tweeting that Gillespie didn't embrace him or what he stood for. John Weaver, a longtime aide to Ohio Governor John Kasich, wrote on Twitter, the party should treat the president like dead tissue. Hmm. He said, I'm not gleeful about GOP losing elections, but if you have gangrene in your leg, chop the sucker off. 2018 is looming, and that's a big chop, according to Weaver. How about this in New Jersey? A 93-year-old World War II vet upset an incumbent <laughs> New Jersey mayor who was seeking a second term. Vito Perillo, 93 years old, defeated Tinton Falls Mayor Gerald Turning in a nonpartisan municipal race yesterday. Perillo told the Asbury Park Press he wore out two pairs of shoes campaigning door to door. U.S. Navy veteran decided decided to run following a pair of whistleblower lawsuits involving the police department that cost the borough a reported $1.1 million in settlements. Turning was the borough police chief from 2004 to 2011. He was also the uh, borough administrator from 2010 to 2014, defeated in that election last night. Go back to the Andrea Jenkins story. Yeah. Could you read the uh, lead of that again? I'm uh, just getting a note that I was thinking the same thing myself, but I just got a note from the uh, chief offsite correspondent. Oh, I have a question. Okay. Andrea Jenkins celebrated a historic win in the Minneapolis City Council Award 8 race. Yeah, keep going. Won the seat with 73% of the votes. Yep. Making her the first openly transgender openly, woman. Openly. Are there ones that we don't know about? <laughs> Some are still hired, yeah. <laughs> still kind of going, well. <laughs> you were gone for three weeks. Where'd you go? Uh, Tahiti. Well. <laughs> St. Paul police have arrested a suspect after the city's 20th homicide of the year last night. Officers called to an apartment building on the 100 block of Edmond Avenue West just after 5 o'clock. Police said they found a woman suffering from an apparent stab wound taken to Regent's mm. Hospital where she died. Her identity and the exact cause of death will be determined by the medical examiner. Police say the investigation is continuing. A former leader of the free world reported for Cook County jury duty this morning at the Daily Center, but was dismissed from duty. Cook County Chief Judge Timothy Evans told reporters shortly before noon that Barack Obama was not tapped to serve on a jury. In Chicago, all eyes had been on Obama today from when he departed his south side home to his 10 o'clock arrival at the downtown court complex. His motorcade parked in a secure garage underneath the Daly Center and took a private elevator used by judges to the 17th floor jury assembly room. private elevator for the judges. (laughs) The uh, reporters, court staff, and attorneys pressed up against the doors hoping to catch a glimpse of the former president. He was ultimately dismissed from jury duty. Why didn't they just tell him that and save the pomp Uh, and circumstance? He had to go through all the motions Mm -hmm. of, I'm a regular guy now. Sure you are. That's why you got to go in the underground parking. Right. (laughs) The tax reform plan crafted by House Republicans would add $1.7 trillion to the debt over the next decade. That according to an analysis released today by the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, the projection could be a problem for Republicans. They're using special budget reconciliation rules to avoid a 60-vote threshold in the Senate. Those rules require that the bill only increase the federal debt by $1.5 trillion over 10 years. House Republicans unveiled their tax overhaul last week and have been marking up their legislation in committee this week. Even light drinking could increase your risk of cancer. 
according to a new statement from the American Society of Clinical Oncology. ASCO President Dr. Bruce Johnson says people typically don't associate drinking beer, wine, and hard liquor with increasing their risk of developing cancer in their lifetimes. However, the link between increased alcohol consumption and cancer has been firmly established and gives the medical community guidance on how to help their patients reduce their risk of cancer. Alcohol is directly responsible for 5 to 6% of new cancers and cancer deaths worldwide, according to the statement. Paper cites evidence of tying light, moderate, or heavy drinking to higher risk of common malignancies like breast, colon, esophagus, head, and neck cancers. However, a recent ASCO survey... Pretty much covers it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't make any difference if it's light, moderate, or heavy. Exactly. What mm. the hell? So <laughs> go heavy. Right. However, moderate. Well, maybe moderate to kind of... not. It's not light. However, a recent ASCO survey found that 7 out of 10 Americans are unaware that there is a link between alcohol and cancer. And don't know what a senator is. Nope. A 94-year-old woman was able to free herself from the trunk of her car after a man abducted her and drove her to the parking lot in a Scottsdale shopping mall. That's a tough grandma. Police spokesman Sergeant Ben Hoster says a man in his 30s forced his way into the woman's home in Scottsdale early Tuesday morning, bound the woman, and put her in the trunk of her car before driving away. The 94-year-old woman spent about seven hours in her trunk outside Scottsdale Fashion Square before she was able to free herself. She was brought to a hospital to be evaluated. The woman's neighbor, Connie Conradi, told CBS affiliate KPHO she remains concerned for the victim because she has no local family. She says the woman lives alone. The suspect hasn't been arrested yet, described as a clean-cut white male in his mid-30s. Hoster declined comment on whether the woman was injured or whether any items were stolen during the abduction. Joe? Reporting isn't what it used to be. How did she free herself? After seven hours, right? That was the same question I had. And uh, there are numerous stories online about it. They're all the same. And none say how she freed herself. Just that she got out after seven hours. She Mm -hmm. opened the trunk. How? She had a she had a key fob and she had she had one of those hands that sits out hours. of the trunk, you know, like they do on Halloween, like yeah. there's a body in the trunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, if no, she had there the... are buttons. Maybe she knew of a no, a 94 year old probably. Well, my know. guess would be she figured out to kick in the back seat, and then get out after her seven door. hours. Oh. Well, you know, she's 94. She's, 94. she's not as sharp as she okay. used to okay, be. Okay, exactly. so Here we describe go. her yep. her shoes. And the way her legs look when she's kicking. Well, she's got the dark stockings on. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, uh, but the three-quarter heel shoes that are laced up, uh-huh. you know those deals? Yeah. Yes. And then she finally figured, you know, I can just kick I my can... way out of this thing. And a slacks or uh, like a dress? No. Oh, no, it'd be an old dress. Yeah, it'd okay. be a, a heavy dress down yeah. to about her ankles right. almost. Not Although quite. it is Arizona, uh, it's warm. She might have been <laughs> She might dressed. have been a fancy grandma. That could be. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fancy You're either fancy or not fancy. There's right. no in-between. No. Hmm. Okay. You're a bad guy if you're locking a 90-year-old woman yeah, in a trunk. You really are. You're a really so bad really. guy. Do we have weather coming up? Uh, we do. David's ready. All right. Uh, take us to him. You cannot stop him. You just make a move. Joe Suchere. Here's Dave Dahl. Thank you, Joe. Beautiful afternoon out there. 39 degrees right now. Heading for a high today of about 41 then a cold front comes through. This front's going to pack a punch. It should move through later on this evening, and then the temperatures really drop after midnight tonight, but down to 20 for the overnight low. We're going to have a coating up to about one or two inches of snow here in eastern Minnesota by early tomorrow morning. That'll be enough to cause some slick spots because the roads should be frozen by the time that snow starts to fall. 
Partly cloudy skies then the rest of the day tomorrow. Uh, temperature only rising to about 24. Wind chills of 5 to 10 above. Northwest winds at 10 to 20. Then mostly clear tomorrow night down to 13 above. Partly cloudy skies on Friday. Some snow developing late 30. Some light snow mixed with some rain on Saturday and 36. It continues to warm though as we head through the weekend. 38 on Sunday. 40s for highs next week. We could get close to 50 again on Tuesday. Some scattered rain showers develop, but then turning colder again by Wednesday of next week. So a nice little warming trend as we get through the weekend. But until that time, we got a really good cold front coming through tonight, Joe. One to possibly two inches of snow here in the eastern part of the state overnight tonight through early tomorrow morning. Right now we're at 39. All right, thank you. Uh, back to Brand for a moment. I was noting that Bob Costas took part in a roundtable discussion at the University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was on the panel with him? Christine Brennan of USA Today, Tony Korn- Kornheiser uh, of ESPN, and Mike Wilbon. And it was the university's annual Shirley Povich Symposium, named after the late Washington Post sports columnist. Uh, the panel touched on a wide range of topics, but most principally the future of football. And Costas said it's a game that destroys people's brains and it's not going to last. Well, we've been saying that here for a while. Uh, I haven't said it's not going to last. I said it's going to morph into something different. Yes. Uh, the cracks in the foundation are there, Costas said. The day-to-day issues, as serious as they may be, they may come and go, but you cannot change the nature of the game. I certainly would not let... If I had an athletically gifted 12- or 13-year-old son, I would not let him play football. Kornheiser likened football's trajectory to that of boxing, saying that safety concerns could make the game obsolete in the coming decades. It's not going to happen this year, and it's not going to happen in five years or ten years, Kornheiser said, but Costas is right. At some point, the cultural wheel turns just a little bit, almost imperceptibly, and parents say, I don't want my kids to play, and then it becomes only the province of the poor who want it for economic reasons. Um, it's gonna, I, it's gonna, It'll happen before 10 years. What do you mean? Uh, that, it either, that it either morphs into reality TV or ends. It'll happen before 10 years. 10 years? Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. Mm. Well, last? do the math. If, you're, if most parents are not now letting their kids play football... Who's going to be playing it ten years from now? Right. I mean, numbers are down. I I I have a couple of friends who coach football around here. I know numbers are down, but I still think there will be enough people to help it sustain for at least a little while. I I agree with you in that it will turn into something different, but I don't know what'll happen as soon as ten years from now. Mm-hmm. It's just still so popular, and there are so many kids that are willing to to play the game, and so many you know then then becoming adults that play the game knowing full well what the consequences are. Costas said the NFL's apparent defense mechanism to seek more information and continue to study the dangers of the sport will only hurt its own cause. The more information that comes out, the worse it looks, he said. He added that existing literature and research will eventually lead families to what he called a common-sense conclusion that children should not play tackle football until they're 18 if they play at all. But then where's the talent pool for college? What happens to college football cost is continued. The whole thing could collapse like a house of cards if people begin actually connecting the dots. Uh, And we also note here that, uh, uh, according to Michael Wilbon, football wants to distance itself and put a moat between itself and its fan base. It doesn't want to talk to them, Wilbon said. Well, Tom Brady's available on Tuesdays to talk. Well, LeBron James is available every damn day. He's available every day on Instagram, on Twitter, on whatever it is, and it's not filtered. I'm not sure what Wilbon's trying to refer to, hmm. that the NFL clamps down on its people. A little bit. Yeah, and doesn't let them interact with uh, 
with people. Uh, if they don't find a way to make it safe, and we don't see how they will, the game's not going to be around, said Costas. And he's right. It's it's either or. or Completely rebirth well, itself. There's three ways to look at this. There's the GL way, which I've been predicting for a long time, which is the game's going to morph into something that isn't football. It's going to look like football, uh, and I don't like the analogies to professional wrestling because I've never I've never made it analogous to professional wrestling. But it's going to morph into something that isn't football, and it will have subplots with the girl in the end zone and rival cornerbacks are vying for her attention, and there'll be those kinds of— Cell phones being hidden yeah, in the goalposts. There'll be those kinds of subplots. Or two, uh, it will uh, disappear. Or three— uh, and and this is a sad, uh, sad option to look at, but not implausible. Mm. Uh, given the decline of our culture, and div- given the decline of moral and ethical c- clarity, uh, the game will continue as it is, and 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 we will just continue to accept uh, death as a part of the game. Oof. It won't go away only because it's still. And it's not even close. It's still the most popular viewed sport, and it also is still the the highest revenue generating sport. So the part of it going away isn't going to happen anytime soon. So you have three options, morphing into something else, going away, or let's just uh, have uh, chariot races in the Coliseum. It's probably the the, the one that you've been predicting in that it's just going to continue to morph into something something else. Mm -hmm. Because it will all... It will there's exist. so much money of there's exactly. so much money out there that it I don't think it will just go away. I mean these television contracts are are far and away or what what's what's running this league. How long term are they? Oh, they're I I think ESPN just signed a new one for about 10 years. Yeah, and ESPN is suffering as a result of it. Oh, I agree. Yes, absolutely. But but all the networks are in. I mean CBS, NBC, and ESPN because of ABC, they're they're all in. And Fox. Well, see the bleakest the bleakest outlook is the third option that you're just going to watch a guy break his neck Oof, or you're going to yeah. watch a guy. I don't want to see that die. It's just, but the, the physics of this don't work. They're too big and too fast. I also heard that from a former NFL player saying that during a speech that, uh, these guys that live in, you know, the poorest situations and shine at football, mm-hmm. they don't care. They they don't think about oh I could get hurt. They think I'm getting paid. I'm it's taking an, care of my a, family. It's a way out of poverty. Right. Yeah. I, I buy that. I understand. And that. so I, I think though those guys are never gonna. You can't tell that guy or any NFL let up. They've already tried that the let up rule or they're not gonna do that. That the game is too fast. That's the that's the common denominator of all professional sports is speed. The speed at which things happen. Mm. And in football, it has become frightening. Well, it's been frightening for a long time. These these aren't short little fat guys with leather helmets anymore. These are monsters who can run the 40 in a bud. Well, and guys that have grown up and played the game with great protection and are still having these uh, brain problems. Yeah, I just read about what, Nick Buonacani? Wasn't he on the undefeated Miami team? Uh, so. Seventy-two yeah. uh, dolphins. His uh, he th- he looks at the moon and thinks it's a bowl of spaghetti. Mm. You know, so Costas is right. It it destroys your brain. Not all players will have their brains destroyed, but many will. Uh, there's three options. 
one, two. And one of them is, is you're going to have to start accepting death on the field, which is a dreadful scenario. Frequent uh, emailer Terry says there's a fourth option for the NFL. What could the number four be? Uh, create weight limits. Maybe the NFL will have to cap it at 250 pounds, for example. In addition, they might have to go without helmets to avoid these idiots trying to kill each other. Maybe. Again, something's got to happen. Let's you get down here with the people? Oh, yeah. I'd like to do something to avoid that bleakest option. 1500 ESPN is KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's 39 degrees in clear blue skies.